T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Coach on Fire Radio. I could not possibly be more excited to welcome you to the brand new podcast for Belly's Baby and Birth. And uh, my name is Amy Vanderlinden. I'm a pelvic physical therapist, and my practice is called Moment of Truth Physical Therapy. And I absolutely love helping women during pregnancy, uh, their delivery, and postpartum recovery. And today is our premiere show, and I'm thrilled to welcome Laura Correa to the show. She's a midwife here in the Phoenix Valley. Uh, she's been a midwife since 2015, and prior to that, she'd been a doula since 2008, and lots of experience with bellies, babies, and birth. So um, Laura and I have been um, colleagues for quite a while now and just really share a passion for reaching and educating women. Really thrilled to have her as the first guest of the whole podcast, and we'll be coming to you guys twice a month and trying to get information out that's just helpful to women, that's um, encouraging and informative for pregnant moms, new moms, uh, women with pelvic issues. Um, that'll be our focus, but we'll definitely be diving into nutrition and all things related to health and wellness too. So um, I hope you guys uh, tune in and download and really enjoy it. We'd love to hear any requests or topics you'd love covered. Um, so Laura, why don't you start and just tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a birth worker? Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to thank you, Amy. I'm, I'm so excited uh, that you started this and to be your first speaker. I'm Yay! Just, thank you. So um, it's been great getting to know you these past few years. So yeah, I started as a doula in 2008 and that had come after the four births of my children. My youngest was about two. And I had started in a hospital with an OB um, and an epidural after some good amount of back labor and a nine and a half pound baby. And then moved on for my second um, to a midwife in a hospital, which was a great uh, experience. But there were a couple things that we didn't like about the hospital um, and some of the things that they did without consent, without asking me before they did it. And then we moved to birth centers for our last two. And those were birth, both water births and um, really magical experiences. And I loved the amount of um, freedom we had, the amount of confidence that they placed in me as a woman. And I really began to feel empowered by that. So after I had my last daughter um, in 2005, I kind of started, you know, thinking like, I wonder if I could do this. I really appreciated my doula um, and the third birth in particular. And I thought, you know, I, I could do this kind of work. I'm compassionate. I, um, you know, can comfort easily. I love birth. And so I went through the donut training program 
took me a couple of years because I had little kids and um, was homeschooling and, you know, all kinds of mom stuff. But it was great to be able to step out as my own individual person and find something that I was passionate about that I love doing that didn't necessarily include being a mom and being a wife and being, you know, all these other things. So, yeah, so that was, um, that was 2010 that I got my certification. And then in 2014, I think it was, um, I started thinking, you know, I'm one of those people that if something happens to a client or at a hospital or there's some kind of medical thing, I am really interested. So not only do I find out in case it happens again, say postpartum hemorrhage, but I dive in because I really want to know what caused it, how do we manage it, what can we do, all of those things, the more medical kinds of things. <clears throat> and I realize not all doulas do that. <laughs> so I, um, I started thinking, you know, maybe I could be a midwife. And it's very daunting the amount of education you need and the amount of, um, you know, hands-on practice that you need. But yeah, I, I made it through with a couple of amazing preceptors and got my license in 2015. That's wonderful. And how many births have you done now? Do you um, even know? I don't. I would say all together. Um, well, it depends on if you include catching babies, like as a midwife, or just being there as, you know, for the support or um, an assistant to another birth. But I think all together birth-wise, gosh, I've probably been to, I'd say 175 births. And then um, probably caught about 30 babies, um, 25 to 30 in my three years. That's so wonderful. What a great space to hold for those moms. Um, so obviously as a midwife and in your journey to as you know, with your own four children, I have two and both of mine were vaginal delivery hospital births that by the grace of God went well. Um, lots of things I didn't know then. Um, in that journey of your four children and changing some of your choices and options and then the education you've pursued, what are some of the biggest myths, just maybe one or two myths about midwifery or being a midwife or birthing with a midwife you, you would like to sort of dispel? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is people that are not familiar with midwives at all. Um, they think midwives just come in when mom's ready to have a baby and they do their, you know, witchy, hit, you know, hippie stuff and throw glitter everywhere and <laughs> leave, right? Right. <laughs> um, but the, the fact of the matter is that midwives are well-trained in normal physiological vaginal birth. And so most women, I start with them in their first trimester. Um, sometimes I'll have women that transfer in later when they've been having care. But we do all the same prenatal care that you would get with an OB or a certified nurse midwife. Um, as certified professional midwives, we are not nurses, so we don't have a nursing background. But again, trained in um, education-wise and clinical-wise in how to help women have natural again, physiological birth. So the thing that their body was meant to do, and really we're checking uh, risk factors as a certified professional midwife, we're checking for um, is mom healthy, is baby healthy. So if they're not, then we can tra transfer them to somebody who is, because we all want healthy moms and healthy babies, regardless of where that happens. So I think that's a big myth is that, um, you know, we don't really 
we, we don't do anything other than just come in at the end. But right. Reality, no, that's a good one because I, I do think that all that prenatal care, no one thinks about that part. They think, I, I've heard women say, well, I don't want to have to go to my doctor for all this and then just find a midwife. It's like, no, the midwife can, again, barring extraordinary circumstances or unusual risk factors or different things that come up, you can carry them all the way through. And you particularly do until about six weeks, the checkup afterwards, correct? Right. And in fact, um, not only do we give the same amount of care, so if you were to see an OB, you'd have appointments every four weeks um, to 28 weeks, and then every two weeks to 36 weeks, and then weekly. So I do the exact same thing. I offer all the same tests that you could have at an OB, um, and we do offer ultrasounds. You know, I'd send out, but ultrasounds are fine. We do um, informed consent for glucose testing or the, the screening, and then the birth. Um, I stay about three, two to three hours after the birth to make sure everyone's stable. I come back at 24 hours for a home visit. I usually come back again at three to five days, at 10 days, and then at six weeks. So some of those depend on, you know, if it's somebody's first baby, I'm definitely going to be there more often and available by phone. Um, if it's a mom, this is her fifth baby, and she's like, you know, just call me on day three and check in with me on seven to 10 days, and I'm, I'm, I know when to call you. Um, but yeah, so that's one of the, one of the benefits I think of having a midwife is almost exclusively, they're going to come to you for the home visit for that first day, because I don't want moms having to get out of bed and go to see somebody, but they really do need care and they need care not only physically, but emotionally and sometimes spiritually and mentally, and just needing to know, is this normal? What's going on? Definitely. That's so critical. I, I, Love that you do that. Um, another question I had for you, what, that's a perfect myth. I'm glad you covered that. Um, and I mean, when was the last time you had a practitioner come to your house and take care of you and meet that broad spectrum of needs? That's just huge. I love it. What is something that you wish more women knew? Maybe it's not a myth, but like you're finding is one of your soapboxes maybe, or something that you're feeling constantly comes up in conversation or that a question you get a lot that you just wish women knew more about. So one of my big soapboxes is um, informed consent. And for me- <laughs> We're going there. Session one, we're going there. It's my first podcast, Laura. Yeah. We're gonna go right into it. Get it, girl. Go ahead. Go ahead. But it's so important um, that people, not just pregnant people, but people understand what informed consent is. Because typically they think informed consent is the doctor or the you know practitioner, whoever it is, says, here's um, you know, here's what we want to do. Just go ahead and sign here. And that is not informed consent. In fact, informed consent, you need to also have the ability to have informed refusal. So the two go hand in hand. And if the practitioner does not tell you what they want to do for the procedure, what the risks and benefits are of that procedure, what the alternatives are, even if they can't offer those alternatives or they're not real um, knowledgeable in those alternatives, and what happens if you don't do anything or you choose not to do what they're recommending. That is informed consent. So as a midwife, as a midwife, I just think it's so important that people know going in that if they're having any kind of medical work done, they need those questions answered before they can really make an informed decision. Preach girl, you gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that is such a big deal. And, um, you know, a lot of times 
I, a lot of my clients are postpartum and you know, they'll say things like, oh, I wish I'd known about you when I was pregnant, or I wish I'd known about you with my first child, or I mean, there are countless women that are sharing their birth story sometimes for the first time in tears because their wishes weren't honored and they weren't treated with respect. And, you know, not that midwives always treat with respect and hospitals never do. That's not what this is about. Um, But like you're saying, any practitioner, informed consent, informed refusal, truly knowing risks, benefits, options. Um, that's just so huge. Um, and I mean, I understand that emergencies present themselves, but a lot of fear tactics to present things as an emergency, I think end up overshadowing truly informed consent. I'm so glad you brought that up. Well, and cause I've worked with women, especially in a doula capacity that have had bad informed consent and been with them to kind of process that after the birth. And Mm -hmm. then once that have had really good informed consent and been able to process, and it doesn't matter what the procedure was. Like I'm thinking of a woman that had a C-section and she was so happy with her birth because she felt like they communicated well. They allowed her to make the decision. I mean, of course they give recommendations. That's what your provider's for. Um, But the amount of emotional, um, changed in in somebody knowing what all their options were and somebody feeling like they got bullied into it is huge so whether you go with a midwife um, in the hospital a midwife out of the hospital an ob i know plenty of ob's that are really great Mm -hmm. but you really have to recognize um, you're paying somebody to be a provider for you because you appreciate their expertise and you want them to help you with say in this case your labor and your birth Um, if they are not accustomed to the type of birth that you are envisioning, you probably want to look at a different provider because it's unfair to the, to a woman to say, I want all of these things that are so different than you normally do. And it's unfair to the provider to say, I'm stuck in this position where I'm really not comfortable because I don't do these kinds of things. And so I, I tell women, it's never too late to change providers. It's never too late unless you've already had the baby. Um, to, to move to a home birth or again, move to a hospital. If you're in a home birth and things, you know, become in an area where they need more supervision, it's not so much where you birth, it's how you're treated, um, that you're respected, that you're, you're making these choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think two providers that include the partner. Yes. Um, spouse whatever significant family members supporting that woman who's having the baby, um, just having them feel included and um, empowered and part of all of that um, and those decisions as well, as opposed to just being under pressure and you know they don't know what to do and all those kinds of things. It's so important to really have the accurate and full picture provided. And that's actually so- why I still do some doula work is because especially first time parents, if they're birthing in a hospital, which is very um, I mean, for all people, but especially for first-time moms, there's so many things that are unknowns. There's so many areas that they don't even know the questions to ask because they've never been there. And so as a doula, I'm able to help them to say, you know, okay, did you understand what they're saying? Do you want some time to think about it? Would you like to know what the alternatives are? Or so basically I'm encouraging them to get the informed consent and then reminding them that they get to make the choices that they, 
you know, if they're feeling bullied or railroaded or things like that to bring it back to the woman and say, this is your birth. This is your body. What kind of information do you need or your spouse needs in order to feel good about the choices that you're making? Perfect. Yeah. So perfect. And that's the number one reason I encourage women to use doulas, no matter what setting they're delivering in. Um, because even when you plan and even when you've taken birth classes or Bradley classes, um, when you're in pain or when your partner's, you know, even as the husband or, or partner, like if your partner's in the birth and they're hurting and they may be panicking or maybe screaming or maybe whatever, to try to think that you're going to feel prepared and to try to think that you're going to be clear-minded and remember all the things, even if you did learn them all. So yeah, that's my number one reason of recommending a doula, just to have that support and clarity and someone who's truly on your team that isn't as emotionally involved in the moment and can just stay calm and, and really support through the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, In addition with our shared passions, um, I know you have a great heart for pelvic PT and the work that I do. Um, and we're, you know, we've been talking lately about um, how to better serve women and in both of our roles and the things that we do. And I know we've been talking about setting up packages um, on both our ends to make sure women are getting either the dual work and um, some pelvic PT or when they're a midwife client of yours and packages that we can set up. Tell me a little bit more about what you're envisioning for that and part of why you feel that's so important for a great outcome in their overall care. So I have to just tell a story to lead into that because I remember, I mean, it was maybe five years ago. In fact, you might've shared it on Facebook or something, but um, it was an article that talked about peeing after you've had a baby accidentally is not normal or it's common, but it doesn't have to happen. And I was like, wait, what? Every woman that I know who's had a baby you know, usually has some incontinent issues. And, you know, that's why the whole joke about don't laugh, don't jump on a trampoline, don't, you know, all these different things. Um, And so that really changed my perspective. And that's when I started, you know, talking with you and learning more about pelvic floor therapy and that it wasn't just Kegels. Um, I'm sure you'll talk about that on some other uh, down the line podcast, but. Now you're talking to my soapboxes. (laughs) (laughs) As a, even as a provider, you know, we, all we hear is do your Kegels and, um, you know, and maybe some, some um, vaginal stretching of the perineum before you have the baby. Some people say that, but there's not really a whole lot else that women get after postpartum and they don't want to talk about anything, even though it happens to everybody or it's just this little joke. And so when I started doing a little bit more research on um, pelvic floor and especially what other countries do for their postpartum moms in terms of vaginal health and restoration and care, I was appalled by what the U.S. does not do. Um, even just the six-week postpartum checkup that women get is so far beyond, you know, nothing what they, what people ask. Pitiful, yeah. It's pitiful, yes. Yeah. And um, so, one of my thoughts as I'm, I'm moving into the next three years of my uh, midwifery journey is to 
see what can we do for some moms, um, especially those that have, I have a lot of people that do um, like a health share plan or insurance will cover certain things, but not other things. But I would love to have a comprehensive care plan that includes not only the, the prenatal care um, and the testing there, but things like a birth pool and things like your birth kit. So they don't have to worry about you know, getting the stuff off a list and did I get enough? Did I not get enough? Is this the right brand? All of those things. To be able to bring those things all inclusive and then have before and after someone like you helping them with pelvic floor issues. So a lot of times because as a midwife, I don't do pelvic exams very often. I don't usually do the first one at the initial visit. Um, I don't do one to see if they're in labor. And so sometimes women aren't real sure what that's going to feel like. So if you are helping them beforehand, you might be able to, to sense some tension or be able to um, give them some tools or things to do that will help them be in touch with their, their vaginal floor and be able to use those things in the birth. So ideally, I would love to have you um, be able to, or a pelvic floor therapist come in for a, an appointment or two beforehand, before the birth and then two or three appointments afterwards to make sure that they're in the best possible place that they can be. Um, and then breastfeeding help with another IBCLC that I work with. Um, to me, that's what true prenatal birth and postpartum care looks like. Amen, amen. Yeah, I just, um, and no one practitioner can know all the things and do all the things and provide all the things. And so I love, how the birth community is growing in Phoenix and moms groups and communities are growing in Phoenix. And it, I mean, that is the reason I'm starting this podcast is just to continue building those relationships and <clears throat> having a way as we build those relationships to get that information to women. And so, yeah, I just love the conversations that we've had about those packages and um, yeah, we just help women kind of set their bodies up for ideal alignment that's constantly shifting. You know, you're growing a baby in there, your center of gravity is shifting all the time and just being able to keep that in as ideal alignment as possible, the hips open, giving them home programs so they can feel confident moving forward. A lot of women that I deal with, one big issue before and after is feeling confident about exercise. Mm. Um, you know, again, not wanting to pee or not wanting to hurt themselves or hurt the baby, not wanting to, some of them end up with diastasis and not wanting to, not knowing which exercises are okay to do afterwards. And so, so many women I think end up feeling paralyzed about that. And it's like, we're not talking tons of sessions here. If they just had some knowledge, a little bit of information that was customized to them, because right. you're hundred percent right, I'm not gonna go on a Kegel rant, but <laughs> suffice it to say, <laughs> Suffice it to say, people do not joke about peeing around me because I will go off. Um, but so rarely, like you said, all, all we're told as women or providers, like, oh, just do your Kegels. And not once have I ever checked a woman where that was the solution, the only solution she needed. Um, right. There's usually a combination of tightness and weakness. And if you just do Kegels, sometimes you can exacerbate the tightness and kind of throw off a whole spasm or pelvic pain thing that they didn't even have before. Then they're like, well, gosh, I wish I was just peeing. No, right. They don't say that, but um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I just love the conversations we've had about better care and more thorough care. And I'm really looking forward to the things we're going to set up for that in the near future. 
So why don't you tell everyone where they can find out more about midwifery and more about you? So my website is www.supportingyourbirth. So no underscores, no periods, just supportingyourbirth.com. Um, and you can find a little bit about me. Some of, in fact, I think I have on there a, an, um, some information on informed consent and refusal because it is such a big deal to me about my packages, both midwifery and doula. Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to update that soon with the new yeah. ideas and things like that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Supporting Your Birth as well. Um, yeah, and my uh, phone number, if people are, you know, don't want to do computer things, is 480-442-2294. So that's 480, the number four, the word baby, and four. <laughs> so oh, nice, four, four, baby, four. That's great. Four, four, baby, four. Yeah. Okay. So kind of easy to remember. That's great. And I love your... Um, business name too is supporting your birth. That's quite perfect. Well, I want to thank you for being my very first guest and for your passion for women and for caring so much about their quality of care. And again, thoroughness of care that you reached out to me about the packages and things. And I am really excited about that. Um, and I really just want to, you know, and I know that you'll continue to do this with your podcast, but encouraging women to remember that they're the experts in their body and we've had so much um culture that says you know birth is going to be awful it's going to be scary there's no way you can do it without pain medication your body does know what to do but there's so much of the cultural stuff that says otherwise that women are kind of in the spot where they want to trust their body but they're not sure if they can so i would just really recommend anybody listening to this or if they have um, women in their lives that are going through pregnancy or um, going to have kids soon, just to do your homework, to research stuff from a, a natural physiological angle, because your body is made to do this, but then also support people are really important because you want to have that great experience. And you really do, like you said earlier, need several different types of people in different arenas to be able to help you the best. Nobody can be the expert in, you know, all of these things that we're talking about today. Um, so women, really, you can do this. Get the help that you need. If you ever have any questions about where to go or what kind of, you know, maybe you have an issue and you're like, I don't know even who to contact for that. Send me an email, laura at supportingyourbirth.com or, you know, call me or text me and say, you know, I'm having this issue. I really just don't know where to get the information. And I'd be happy to answer that for you. Perfect. And that's why we've got these communities and these resources. So we know each other, we can refer out, you know, whether it's the doula, midwife, nurse practitioners, lactation consultants, all of the different pieces, things for baby as they're, you know, growing and have needs. Yeah. Moms just need that support. That's perfect. Yeah. The last question I want to wrap up with one of my key things is I always say, I like to help women thrive, not just live or survive, but thrive during pregnancy, delivery, and postpartum. And so what's one of your favorite things that you get to do as a midwife where you really feel that joy of helping women thrive? Mm, that's such a great question. I think um, I don't get to do it nearly as much as a doula, which is one of the reasons I moved to midwifery work, but is to connect with women on a deeper level than they're going to get. You know, I've had so many clients that they don't, you know, they're as adults, it's hard to make close friends sometimes, especially if you've moved recently or, you know, you're not in touch with your family. Um, and to be able to, 
to become somebody where they feel comfortable talking with me, not just about the baby moved this way, or I have this pain in my back, but her fears and her, you know, goals for things and maybe how her and her husband are interacting about being, becoming parents or, you know, they have a lot of kids and she feels like, where's her identity? I mean, there are some real serious topics that come up with women as they're going through this journey. And it's such a privilege and a blessing to me to be able to walk with her and um, maybe just provide some insight and if nothing else, provide a listening ear and letting her know I'm here for you. I'm not just your provider. I'm, I care about you as a person, as a woman, um, not just as a mom, as a wife, as a whatever your profession is, you know, all of these things. But you are important. You are an individual person created by God, and I want to get to know this person. So it's always hard when I say goodbye to my mamas at the six-week checkup, especially if they, they are expecting this to be their last baby. Um, but it's fun to still sometimes be in contact with them. I get Christmas cards from old clients and things like that. And it's just such a joy to remember the, the experience that they've allowed me to have in their life. I absolutely love your heart, lady. I'm so glad we get to work together and are going to be doing even more of that. Just love it, love it, love it. You just completely, perfectly introduced, summed up, encapsulated, and launched exactly what I want this to be about. So extremely grateful to you and your time. Um, if anybody is, is blessed by this podcast, please start sharing it. Um, get in touch with Laura. Get in touch with me. My website is, is Moment of Truth pt as in physical therapy.com and i'm also on facebook moment of truth physical therapy and we are here to help that is our heart that is our passion that's what that's what we do and why we do it and i'm really excited about reaching more and more women with this um, the next podcast is going to have dr kara rick i think you know her and she's going to be talking to us she's gosh man she's got a lot of letters after her name too so one of the main things she's known for in the Valley is helping families and babies with lip and tongue tie. So she's going to be coming on and talking to us about nursing. Um, she also has a midwifery background, although she's not practicing in that now. Um, and lactation consultant and all of those great things. So really excited about providing more and more resources for moms and families. And I'm so great, grateful that we started with you. Thank you. It was great to be on the show. Thanks, everybody. See you in two weeks. Radio.